Hey, folks, if you enjoyed our episode last week with Dr. Amy Acton and you want us to keep bringing you more great shows like that, please hit the subscribe button in your app. And if you can, throw us a few bucks through Patreon. You can navigate to our Patreon site at prognosisohio.com. We'd really appreciate it. What we did here is a completely citizen-led ballot initiative where folks can go to the polls and they can vote. You know, so this is something done by the people of Ohio for the people of Ohio. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's, it's democracy at its best. Welcome back to Prognosis Ohio. I'm Dan Skinner, and that was Dr. Marcelo Azevedo, co-founder of Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. Just two weeks out from the last day to vote on Issue 1, which will encode basic abortion rights in the Ohio Constitution, I talk with Dr. Azevedo about the stakes of Issue 1 and the effectiveness or lack thereof of the opposition's misinformation campaign, which is all about things that Issue 1 has nothing to do with. Issue 1, of course, is about keeping medical decisions private, not gender identity and not parental rights. A recent poll out of Baldwin-Wallace is showing that a clear majority of Ohioans support Issue 1, which is encouraging. But as Dr. Azevedo makes clear, polling is of little use if Ohioans don't actually show up to vote. In the interview, Dr. Acevedo and I discuss whether Issue 1 supporters have been able to cut through the noise and misinformation campaign unleashed by those who oppose Issue 1. We also talk about the health stakes of Issue 1 and the significance of physician leadership in fighting for reproductive freedom. Okay, here's my conversation with Dr. Marcella Azevedo, co-founder of Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. So, so voting is open here in Ohio, and we're just a few weeks out from Election Day on November 7th, uh, which is the last day Ohioans can vote on Issue 1. I, I want to start by just asking you, how, how are you feeling about the effort so far regarding Issue 1? Oh, wow. Well, it's been quite a journey. Um, as many of you know, we um, we started this whole issue one, um, literally the day that Dobbs came down. So it's been close to a year and a half of work. And I, I think the best way to describe how I feel is I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of effort that's coming from literally everyone on the ground, um, from my neighbors, my friends, folks whose parents kids go to school with my kids, you know, um, and I think that that's just the biggest takeaway that I that I have from this was just the amount of energy and the amount of momentum that comes from the citizens of Ohio. And, and, and because of that, I just, I, I feel honored uh, to be working on it. We've talked on a number of occasions about reproductive health care on this show, including abortion, of course, and we've done a few episodes on different aspects of abortion law and politics, and I hope listeners will go back and check out some of those past episodes we've done. But I'd like to give you an opportunity, sitting here in late October, uh, on the again, a couple weeks out from this important election, to talk about what issue one will mean, in particular for Ohioans' health. I mean, how, how do you talk to people about the health component of what issue one means? So, you know, I would like to start by just saying that, you know, what issue one is providing us is a protection that we used to have. You know, up until last year, um, Ohio was under the protection of Roe versus Wade, and we had 50 years of um, essentially some numbers of 
protections um, that kept us, that kept uh, women who are pregnant and all sorts of folks um, healthy. So issue one does not have anything crazy that hasn't been a right for 50 years and that just last year um, got struck down. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that is one of the main things that I want to make sure that people know that really this is about restoring what we've always had. So to your everyday person, your everyday patient, your everyday pregnant person, this shouldn't be a shock. There shouldn't be something majorly different. That's what we're trying to avoid. We are trying to avoid the abortion ban that right now the court is literally listening to and going to make a decision on. So that's what issue one will keep from happening by making sure that the previous protections that we had by the, by the, by the United States Supreme Court, uh, by making sure that we still um, have that on a state constitution, we're going to prevent the government from interfering on this right and from interfering in that health care. Yeah, I'm talking to you today on October 19th, and and just this morning, David DeWitt, the editor of the Ohio Capital Journal, published a really important uh, editorial, and and the title of it is is you know pretty blunt, which is that if issue one fails, we are very likely to go back to the six week ban with no exceptions for rape, for incest. I mean, a really you know uh, stringent um, and dangerous uh, return that that we're looking at. Oh, absolutely. You know, a six-week ban, you know, we, we talk about six weeks, but really this is a near total abortion ban. You know, it does not have exceptions for rape. It does not have exceptions for incest. And um, at, at six weeks, you know, most folks aren't even aware that they're pregnant. I myself have so many patients out there that have um, some pretty severe health conditions in where they cannot get pregnant. Uh, they, uh, they try not to get pregnant because of their health, because it would be severely life-threatening to them in a chronic uh, illness sense. I have lots of patients who six weeks is not enough time for us to act, uh, for us to be able to preserve their health and preserve their life. So there's been a lot of conversation about the confusing language that's kind of swirling around our state, how issue one is worded on the ballot. That's been a discussion, but also the language that opponents are using to oppose it. And you see these yard signs around, around, you know, parental rights and things like that. I want to ask you, do do you think that the the pro issue one groups have been able to cut through these attempts to confuse people about what issue one actually does? Uh, you know, and, and none of this is purely theoretical. I mean, we we had these 82 days after the Dobbs decision came down where we, we had an almost total ban on abortion, kind of like what we're looking at if issue mm-hmm. one doesn't pass. You know, so I guess I want to ask you, do you think that people are understanding the stakes of issue one enough? And have we been able to cut through the noise to get people to realize what this actually will look like? I think more and more. For sure, there is, like you said, a lot of noise by the opposition. You know, they are, they just are, are trying to lie and confuse folks, you know, to further their own agenda. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of this talk uh, about, about things that, that we know aren't true. You know, this question of parental rights. You know, we've had many um, Ohio-based constitutional lawyers have put out their own opinions on whether or not issue one affects this. And, and similar issues in other states have not affected parental rights. We don't expect it to do. The fact that the Bella Board ruled in our favor that 
this this amendment, this constitutional amendment, only has one single issue. That in itself tells us that the issue we're discussing here is reproductive health care, not parental consent laws. Parental consent laws is the law in Ohio, has been um, no pediatrician treats a patient for any reason, you know, like not just, we're not just talking about abortion here. We're even talking about strep throat. All of that requires parental consent and it will continue to do so after issue one. Um, so it is a, a truly unfortunate distraction uh, that the opposition is trying to do for the citizens of Ohio. Yeah. When I, when I see those signs, sorry to editorialize for a moment, but I feel bad for them. It's so embarrassing because yeah. that narrative is so easily disproved through, you know, even the most big, I'm not a lawyer, but like, you know, I understand judicial bypass and I understand parental consent enough to know that it's, it's a very clear scare tactic. It is. It's trying to make parents scared and, and without pointing to the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm a parent, I have a five and a two year old and, you know, my goal in life is also to protect them. So like we're all on the same boat and in order to protect them, you know, I feel like I need to be able to have options when it comes to their health care. I want to make that decision with their doctors. I, I don't want Mike DeWine and I, I don't want any state legislature making that decision for me. Um, and so to me, that's just an, that's just obvious, you know. Yeah. And the uh, to state the obvious, the, the people who are pushing this false narrative are also the ones who tend to yell about big government and how we need to keep government out of our lives, except for this issue. Except for this issue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's my sense that the anti-abortion movement in Ohio and maybe around the country really overplayed its hand with Dobbs. And, And, you know, just about every poll reasserts that there's majority support for, as you put it before, kind of row level abortion rights, right? Pre viability abortion rights. So if they turn out to vote, you know, issue one would pass pretty clearly. And we see that, you know, this, this is why there was so much focus a few months ago on trying to change the rules because they, they saw that majority support coming. Yeah. But in bringing abortion to the state level, which was always kind of the narrative out there. Do you think anti-abortion groups, you know, such as Ohio Right to Life, did they just forget to talk to actual Ohioans or like see what the the actual uh, view was around the state, or, or or am I missing a piece of what's happening here? Well, to be honest, I I don't think these folks are interested in what Ohioans actually want, right? Our signature drive, we collected over 700,000 signatures in something around 11 to 12 weeks. That's unprecedented. The fact that we can reach that many Ohioans in such little time tells you that folks were out there looking to sign this, looking to be active. So no, these folks did not talk to Ohioans. They do not care what Ohioans want, nor what Ohioans need to deny a people access to health care, you know, like that, that is a, a humanitarian crisis, you know? Um, and so I just think that these are folks who believe in their agenda and who cannot separate their church and their state and um, who are not willing to give other folks the autonomy to their own bodies based on their own personal beliefs. When it comes to striking down um, Roe and putting things at a state level, you know, not every state has has this wonderful opportunity that Ohio has. So what we did here 
is a completely citizen-led ballot initiative where folks can go to the polls and they can vote. You know, so this is something done by the people um, of Ohio for the people of Ohio. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's it's democracy at its best. Get places like Indiana. Uh, that is not something that they're allowed to do. And so the folks who are in power there, their legislature, make those decisions for their citizens. So Indiana right now is in a position where um, no matter what the people of Indiana want, they do not have access to that health care. And that in itself uh, lands us to really precarious positions because you have all these people who are now denied access to care and we are their neighboring state. You end up having, you know, all sorts of migrational shifts, you know, like, and really things that threaten folks because of where hospital placements are and, and what happens with, you know, uh, women who are have risky pregnancies and uh, whose, you know, health care and life are going to be in jeopardy. Um, because again, not every place has this opportunity that we do to show what the citizens want and what the citizens need. So, you know, f- from OPRR's perspective, you know, if issue one doesn't pass, it would open a floodgate of attacks on Ohioans' right to choose. But if it does pass, I'm curious, you know, I wonder if you've thought a little bit about, you know, t- to the comments you just made. Ohioans used to like to think that they were setting a national discussion, that we were this kind of middle state in the country that people look to, a swing state, right? And and it seems to me that this is one of these moments where there will be national eyes in Ohio in this election. How should politicians, how should people who um, are depending upon the vote, not just this year, but next year, what do you see from them in terms of how they're looking at this issue, which is on an off-cycle year? Yeah. And, but, but in a way, that's one of the reasons why we're able to really focus on the the policy question at hand instead of just like a general election. Absolutely, you know, and that was one of our goals too. You know, like I'm, you know, just to be clear, I'm I'm not a politician. I don't do politics. You know, I take care of people, I respect people, and I help them. I uplift um, their needs for them to lead healthier lives. That's what I do. That's my job. I'm a doctor. You know, and so when you ask me about what the politics of next year, what does this mean for the politics? Like, that's not even my place. Um, What I can tell you, though, is that, yes, Ohio is more conservative um, than many states out there that um, have secured uh, reproductive rights and reproductive health care. Uh, Michigan did this last year, but Michigan tends to be a more democratic-leaning um, state. And so as we talk about Ohio now, and as we see how Ohio votes, that changes the question of, as to how many states can do this and which states can do this next year. And will certainly um, help us on a national level be able to support those states. And so that is something that we're constantly discussing and constantly in question, particularly from a physician standpoint. We have colleagues all over um, the country that we meet with on on a regular base uh, to begin discussing, you know, like how can those physicians in those states uplift that issue and and reach their patients and do the same level of mobilization that we were able to do here in Ohio. Yeah. And and just to be clear, it wasn't my intention to push you into politics, but I guess, (laughs) yeah, but but I'm thinking a little bit about how, you know, some people who are seeking public office over the last decade or so, have been afraid to touch the abortion question, you know, and and I think that's really hurt 
the, the policy question and also just sort of hurt our ability to have a broad civic discussion about it. But right now we have an opportunity to f- put on record that basic abortion access, that patient autonomy, that these kinds of values have majority support, bipartisan support, you know, independents, lefties, some right wingers, you know, I mean, everybody's kind of in this looking at this issue from the perspective of what it means for them as patients or thinking about their children or whatever. So I wonder if, you know, there's a chance here to kind of push through and say, it's okay to talk about this because actually when you put the issue to people in the right way, they get it. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I think that we've um, done the whole topic a disservice, right? Because, you know, we all took it for granted. You know, it was something that we had access to for, you know, 50 years. And so socially, we took it for granted, you know, like we knew that the folks that uh, we loved could need abortions and that the folks that that we know um, had had abortions, but we didn't talk about it enough. And that's just not even um, in a um, in, in the political sphere, even sometimes in the medical sphere, um, outside uh, the obstetrics world, you know, uh, various organizations uh, didn't even have the, the, the right uh, the, the, the right stances on um, abortion care. They just hadn't yet done that work. So that was one of the things that this last year that we had to work on. You know, we had to say, hey, uh, okay, well, now it's not taken for granted anymore. We need to talk about this. And we need to be able to put out our statements on the fact that abortion is just basic health care. You know, and so lately here, um, we, we recently just put out um, this release where that talks about how the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, ACOG Ohio, um, all of these long trusted medical organizations and establishments are coming out and making this clear that yes, we, we fought this. We just hadn't done that work yet. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long, but you know, now we have to, we have to show people that this is what doctors think. And this is what our stance on abortion should be. And, and it, it should be the same in politics, right? We haven't been talking about it. And, and now we're catching up on the work that we have to do. But I, I think that's what it's, come from. It's we've taken it for granted. We took that access for granted until uh, the new SCOTUS uh, did what he did. I'd like to end with a big picture question. And I talk about issue one with students all the time, and I've been doing so. Um, and I think it's part of my job as a health policy professor. But, but I think the public needs to appreciate a bit more that issue one was brought to the ballot by a group of extremely dedicated and concerned physicians in particular, Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. And this isn't some kind of you know left-wing ideology project. Like, these are physicians trying to carry out their Hippocratic Oath and, and do what's best for patients. Um, I'm not sure that there are many examples of this kind of physician leadership on a statewide abortion rights initiative or maybe even other initiatives. And I wanted to get you to talk for a few minutes just about the importance of this effort being led and, of course, joined by many, many yeah. others, but, but, but led initially by physicians in particular. What does that mean and, and how should that change how people think about the issue given the political divisiveness of it? The, when Dobbs came down, um, I connected uh, with a few physicians and a few physicians became a thousand and they became many thousands. But this was specifically physicians seeking how to create change. And that is how we are doing issue one in uh, 2023. We've been um, suffering um, as a medical professional 
over the last few years that more and more and more, um, I feel that healthcare professionals are becoming frustrated uh, with the fact that the government keeps interfering with the care that we can provide, you know. And when I was in medical school and when I was in residency, I, I don't think I was aware of this. I thought that, hey, patient came to me and I am just going to do uh, the right thing and I'm going to listen to my patient and I'm going to be able to take care of them and, and, and do whatever they need to have a healthy life, to be healthy. And that's not the case right now. Our government and the politicians are trying to interfere. Um, and, and that's where this came out of. It came out of us realizing that more and more and more this was the case and that we needed to create that change. Uh, you know, and so the Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights literally came out of this, like, we cannot stand for this and we will do whatever it takes to make sure that this does not happen. And that is how we know that there, like, there aren't real politics in issue one. I, I know that there are politicians coming out and supporting it because everyone has the right to support um, an issue. Everyone should have their own opinions on it. Everyone should do their own research on it. But at the end of the day, these are just people in Ohio, and particularly the people in Ohio here. We were doctors because we we take care of people who need abortions often, and we take care of people who are pregnant and whose lives are in risk often. And we see that on a daily basis. And we came out and we said, "No more. Um, we, the citizens in Ohio, we are going to take action." And um, uh, here's where we are. So, uh, to me, what what this means um, is kind of how we started our conversation. That you know, we are all just people trying to lead healthy lives and good lives. And we just want the freedom um, to self-govern um, and to take care of our own bodies and to seek help from healthcare professionals when we feel like we need it without the government meddling in the middle. And that's issue one for you. And everything else is just a distraction and clouded smokes. From the medical education perspective too, just one little addendum here. I mean, I, I know that my students are watching this they have a big decision to make in a few years, whether they're going to practice in Ohio or not, whether they feel safe practicing here, whether, whether they feel they can actually serve their patients' interests. And, you know, I, I know so many physicians uh, who, who've left Texas, for example. Yeah. And, you know, here we are on the one hand, state legislature talks about how we have these workforce shortages that we have to address. And we're trying to convince more physicians to stay in this state and to go to the places where we really need them and to, you know, serve patients and, and vulnerable populations in particular. And then we have something like this that stands to potentially criminalize a basic piece of reproductive health care. So I, I wonder if you're hearing this narrative too. I mean, this is probably one of a hundred different ways to talk about this issue, but I think uh, people are watching. And, and that's one of the things that I, I've, I've thought a lot about as I see this issue and the kind of conversations about it, that they're not actually thinking about the people who do the work. Yeah, couldn't agree more, you know, and um, same, we've, we've actually seen that this last year, the application numbers towards Ohio medical schools are down and residency programs are down. One of our programs that is uh, a top program in the country has come out and said that this is one of the lowest number of applications they've had this year. And this is scary for people, um, not just because they're going to train here, right? And they need to learn the full scope of medical care um, if they're going to practice it one day and they're scared that they're not going to be able to learn it, not just because of that, 
but also because they're also people, right? So medical students and, and residents, they're young and they may be getting pregnant um, during that training period. Yes, they're healthcare professionals and, um, they, and they want to learn, but also they're people and people would be scared to come to Ohio. I would be scared to go come to Ohio. I would be scared to go to Texas right now. But to those folks, you know, um, I know that this is a scary time. Um, and I agree. And I also thought about this a lot. I'm, I'm relatively young. I'm, I'm 35. But, um, you know, if you leave, if you don't come here, if you don't fight with us, that's what is going to happen to yet another land um, in Ohio. And so as doctors and as healthcare professionals, I do think um, that I have a duty here to stand up for my patients and stand up with them, which is the beautiful thing here in Ohio right now is that we're standing up with them. Yeah. Well, it's so cool to see physicians engaged in this way, taking a leadership role in this way. And I, I, I want to thank you for, for being uh, such an important part of that. Dr. Marcelo Azevedo, thanks so much for taking some time to chat on the show. And, um, you know, we'll follow back up in a few weeks and see what happens. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited. This episode was produced by me, Dan Skinner. I received social media and production support from Nathaniel Powell. Prognosis Ohio is a member of the WCB Podcast Experience and the Health Podcast Network. As always, be in touch if you have ideas for guests or topics or ways we can improve the show. Speaking of improving the show, to do that, we need your support. Consider chipping in a few bucks through our Patreon site, which is linked from prognosisohio.com. But even if you can't or you just won't, please tell your friends about what we do here. It really helps. Be well, and thanks for listening.